up y'all welcome to another episode of worldly church girl it's your girl your host Melanie harshaw on today's show i have a wife mother teacher author and a motivational speaker she's doing this all for the love of god so it gives me great honor to introduce to you lakia crutchfield When did you realize that you wanted to be a public speaker and share your testimony? I would probably say I realized I wanted to be a public speaker at about the age of 20 because I had gone through some uh, life-changing things, but at that time I didn't feel it was possible. So I guess the, the better answer would probably be about 25 when I lost my first husband and after going through grief and still having to be a mom, I felt like, wow, I've kind of survived some things. Maybe I can share it with somebody else. And is it hard for you to speak in front of people and share them, tell them your story? Once I get to talking, it's kind of like, I don't know if a better word for it would probably be transforming Mm -hmm. (laughs) into that person that feels like I'm really helping somebody with this and it feels good. And so after a moment or so, it kind of just comes out naturally. What do you do? Like right before you walk out there, what are you saying to yourself? Telling Jesus to please help me because you know, I'm just your little silly old girl and I need you to go before (laughs) me. (laughs) Like literally before me. Yes. <laughs> now, what do you do daily that pushes you towards your purpose? Uh, I have found um, that I have to have affirmations. Uh, that's been a really big thing for me. Uh, dealing with some of the things I dealt with uh, growing up and some of the things I went through as a young adult that I, I put myself in, but God brought me out. I had to come to a place where I could say some things to me and so I got with some individuals that talked about affirmations and how strong they were so when I did that I started with affirmations that really uh, were personal to me and I intertwined scripture of course because that's just who I am and I speak those affirmations to myself daily Uh, I have reminders in my phone that remind me to do it halfway the day (laughs) just to, Mm. you know, reiterate to myself that I'm worthy. I'm enough. There is nothing I cannot have, be or do. Um, And I say those things all the time just to remind myself. And I like to intertwine scripture because that makes it real for me. Now, what's one of your favorite scriptures? I don't guess it would be a specific verse, but I absolutely love Psalm 91. You know that what? Is don't, I, go ahead. Don't, don't make me fight you. That is <laughs> my scripture. When I tell you I have it in big bold print by my bed and I say it every morning. Love Psalms 91. That is my scripture because it yes. covers everything. It does. I go it, I go to it um, when I'm going through. I go to it when I'm happy. It's, it's just one that I, I don't know, it just calms me. It just makes me feel good. Now tell me about your book, My Flesh is Killing Me. My Flesh is Killing Me is really um, it's really a beginning to my story. 
uh, like I said, at about 25 when my first husband passed. Um, it's kind of like all of my past, my present at that time, just kind of all smacked me in the face. I guess dealing with something as big as losing your husband and you're a young uh, woman with four children. I have twin girls and two boys. Um, it's kind of like everything just all came up. You know how the enemy, he, he tries to put it on real good, I guess you could say, because when he passed, it's just like everything from my past kind of felt like it all got dredged up and I just felt terrible. So my flesh is killing me really um, talks about how my flesh was killing me, how my insecurities as a, a young girl growing up without a father uh, really surfaced in my adulthood. It talks about how I had to realize, you know, some things for myself. God had to teach me some things about my worth and that even though I may not have grown up like other young ladies, that I still had a purpose. So it really kind of goes into who I am and how I became that person. So would you say your book helped purge you and help you? It was like a venting to let it all out. And I say it was just the beginning because I feel like, and, and I've been working on some other things, but I feel like even in that book, I was still a bit reserved. Um, I guess having those moments where you think, oh, if I write this, somebody's going to know who I'm talking about. So I, I would say it just kind of scratched the surface because I was still in that, oh, man, somebody's going to know that it's, you know, it's them I'm talking about. So I didn't, I don't feel like I poured out my soul, but it did feel like a good release for a good beginning to a new me. Is the book written in a fictitious way, but based on your your life? It is not written in a fictitious way. It's more, um, I put it in a sense of emergency, like I had to have emergency surgery. And I talk about um, the white room and how the white room is lonely and how surgery, you know, feels devastating at times and painful. And I equated those things to the things I was going through as God was bringing me into who I was and why I went through this. So I kind of, it's, it's not fictitious, but it's equated to uh, like surgery and a hospital visit and being in a moment of uh, bad health, I would say. So it's more, it's a metaphorical book. Are, yes, because okay. the chapters even go through and talk about that. They talk about identity crisis and the disease and critical care. Just those medical type terms, you know, to make you think, hmm, okay. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because I was about to ask you about chapter four, the identity crisis. Can you just give us just a snip of what that chapter is about? That chapter talks a lot about uh, me figuring out who I was. I thought I knew myself, but uh, I found out, I learned <laughs> that I really didn't know myself. I had grown up being what everybody else wanted me to be or what I thought they wanted me to be. And I really didn't know me. And I couldn't look to anybody else for my purpose because they didn't know. So I had to realize who I was for myself and who I actually wanted to be being absent from everyone else. I guess my, my first husband passing really, like I said, it kind of brought everything on because without him, I kind of felt like, well, who am I now? 
what am I supposed to do now? It, it really did make me feel like, okay, girl, you got to know you because obviously you don't know yourself yet. Something else you said in your book about the flesh being a tricky thing. What did you mean by that? So many times, and it's funny that you asked that. I talk to even my own children and how the flesh uh, makes you feel like you need certain things. And I talk about the flesh being tricky because we live in the flesh. So there are some things that we're going to have to come in contact with for ourselves that we're going to have to realize and do. But we've got to have some spiritual discernment to make sure that flesh doesn't make us walk into some things we don't need to walk into. Telling teenagers that is really funny, but they're coming into a place where uh, they're dealing with hormones and emotions and things like that. But when you think about it, as adults, we still do, too. We have to come in tune with being able to discern and realize, hmm, is this just me, you know, having a moment or is this something that I need to realize that needs to be fixed? Right. Now, have your children read your book or are they even old enough to to grasp what you're trying to say in your book? They have not read it. Um, they have asked to read it. And I told them that was fine. But with everything that's been going on, they just hadn't picked it up. Uh, they've been doing, of course, a lot of schooling online. But my girls definitely have asked to read it. I don't know what's holding them back from reading it, but they have. And I told them that, that it would be fine. I think it would be it's going to be some things in there I think that's going to surprise them. But we have the type of relationship, thank God, that if it does, they'll sit down and they'll ask me about it. Now, how old are they? My girls quite actually are 15, and I have a 16-year-old son and a 20, uh, 20, soon to be 21-year-old son. Oh, so they're more than old enough to understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular, you don't have to say, unless you want to say, anything in particular in your book that you are just a little weary about them reading? Um, I don't think there's a lot to be totally honest in there that we haven't discussed other than probably some of the things in my childhood. They look at me um, like a lot of our kids do as, you know, the superhero mom. She always makes everything okay. She always makes sure, you know, I have enough or what I need. I think they may feel, you know, like maybe some of the things that I grew up with, my insecurities might be something that they weren't, you know, expecting. Mm-hmm. They think, you know, I just think I'm every woman. But um, some of the other things that happened in my adulthood, I don't think will surprise them. We try to be, I try to be anyway, very open with them and honest because they're very observing. So I try to answer them straightforward because I don't try to hide anything from them. But I think, like I said, just those things maybe from my past um, that I dealt with with my father and my family those things, the only thing that will really surprise them is, Mama, you were insecure? You didn't think you were enough? Really? That'll probably be their words. How did you even come up with your title for your book of My Flesh is Killing Me? I cannot give that credit to myself. I must give that all to the Lord. It is so odd. Even before my first husband passed and I was living in a totally different place, uh, that God gave me that title a long time ago. I didn't know what all 
it would entail. I wrote down, I scribbled notes, but every time I scribbled notes, the, the title never changed. Mm. So um, it has stuck with me. The title, it, I just knew, you know how you feel that, that secure place mm-hmm. that says, can't change that. You might be able to change the wording, but you can't change that title. Now, what motivates you? Um, I would have to say in the beginning, it was all my kids. I wanted them to be better, wanted them to have better, wanted them to do better. But um, now, in all honesty, I feel like I'm a motivation for myself because that's one of my affirmations, you know, improving myself. So I try to try to keep a balance. It's not all about me, but I've learned that there are some things that I need to do for me. With that being said, you know, I, I and oddly, I haven't said that until you just asked that question. <laughs> um, I've never voiced that, but at growing into more of me, there are some things we need to do for ourselves. They're not just for our children or our families or our spouses. There are some things that we just need to literally do for ourselves. Yeah. And if we don't learn how to take care of ourselves, we definitely can't help anybody else. Yes. And I came to that realization a couple of years ago. You know how you just never say no and you run and you push and you do until your body is just worn out. And the spirit let me know, hey, look, I know you love helping people and being there, but you can't help and be there if you're not there in yourself, if you're ill or tired or worn out. Somebody else is going to have to do it because you won't be able to. And what I've learned right. is that if you don't do it, it's going to still going to get done. Somebody will do it. Just because you don't do it doesn't mean it's not going to get done. Very true. We have a big thing about thinking if we don't, it won't. I almost don't want to ask this question because you kind of already answered it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You know, your passion is to help other people and to help change lives for the better. What could we do to help others? I guess what would be the answer? I I would say the Lakia answer because everybody doesn't think like me. Mm -hmm. If everybody would be more honest and real with their stories and themselves, I, I feel like we could learn so much from each other without even having platforms, if we would all just learn how to be open and honest and real with each other, even in families, I feel like it would heal a lot of things that have gone untouched and have had to go to measures that they shouldn't have had they been open and honest from the beginning with themselves and with those that they call family or close to them. Now, how can people find your book? My book quite actually is on Amazon um, and they have it in several countries now, but it's on Amazon as an ebook and it is on Amazon as a hard copy as well. And now how can people find you? I am on several social media platforms. Um, most of the time, you're going to find it as Lakia Coleman Crutchfield or Lakia Crutchfield um, in some form or fashion. If you look up one, usually you find the other. But I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, 
Instagram, Snapchat. I think that's it. Really. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. I actually like... have a website as well. <laughs> okay. Do you like Snapchat? That's the one form I'm not on right now. I am still learning. I honestly, and in all honesty, I got on there because my children are on there. Mm-hmm. So I got on there being the responsible parent. But mm-hmm. I don't know how to use all of its features, but I'm told it's quite the area right now mm-hmm. uh, for exposure. And TikTok. And I don't trust TikTok. Yeah, I hadn't touched on that one yet. Yeah, I don't trust TikTok. I heard it's I heard. really big right now, but. Mm. Yeah, I don't trust it. Just, but yeah, but Snapchat, I don't know. I'm like making a whole bunch of mini videos. Ooh, I don't know, man. <laughs> the children absolutely love it though the teens that, oh man I know and not even the teens I have to say the young adults too because I know like my 21 year well soon to be 21 year old mm-hmm. him and some of his 24 year old friends that is all they stay on mm-hmm. now I think my oldest she's 28 Jesus yeah she's on there and I know yeah, and my other two girls were on there too, uh, 19 and 21. I don't know. That's, I don't know. I have to pray about that one. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So here's your last question. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? I would say Unstoppable because... Uh, That's how I feel now, finally. Uh, I feel like I can say that finally because at several points in my life, I felt like there were a lot of things stopping me from being who I was supposed to be or I wasn't worthy to be. And the song Unstoppable just kind of, it just kicks me right on in gear because I now have come to a place where I realize I'm a place of access. And because I'm a place of access, I am now unstoppable. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking your time out of your day. Thank you for the opportunity. I always love opportunities to be able to share and just to reach out to somebody else. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you for the opportunity. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Lakia, for being on my show. I really enjoyed you. I know that you're going to do great things, awesome things, miraculous things, and I can't wait to witness it all. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And why haven't you subscribed? There are so many shows that are coming your way, you don't want to miss a thing. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.